0: When I work with clients that are over 50 years in age and they might be struggling with vitality or poor elimination over the years of their life, Common Birch Extract seems to be a perfect place for us to begin. I'm Lauren Hubelay. I'm a health coach and a gymotherapy expert. And I'm here with two other experts in their field to discuss with you Common Birch. Let me take a moment here to introduce them.
1: Megan? Hi, everyone. Hi, Lauren and Terry. It's great to be with you all today. My name is Megan Lemp, and I practice acupuncture and gemotherapy. Thanks,
2: Megan. And Terry, good to have you with us today. Good morning, everyone. I'm pleased to be here also. My name is Terry Brooks. I am an herbalist, plant geek. I think I not only speak with the plants, but I speak for the plants. Beautiful. Love that. So, today what we're going to do is take a look at
0: common birch as a plant and what we might see in it. Then, take a look at the actions of common birch on the body itself. And then, Megan will share her beautiful perspective from um, the Asian medicine perspective. So, let's start with you, Terry. What can you tell us about the shrub or the tree, excuse me, of common birch?
2: Well, we know that there are about 60 species of birch, common birch being one of them. There are about 12 to 15 birch trees that are actually used for medicine throughout history. This birch, Betula pubescens or pubescens, depends on how you want to say it, also known as Betula alba. So the nicknames would be birch, um, common birch, white birch, or downy birch. And the downy comes from its scientific name. Pubescens means Um, hairy, or it also means ripening. Mm -hmm. So I think of, if I pronounce it pubescence, it reminds me of puberty, Mm -hmm. growing hair, ripening. Um, So there are other derivative words, of course, from that. This tree can grow 50 to 65 feet tall in wet, open land, or peat acid bog kind of situations. It is a pyramidal tree, so it has a nice crown and drooping branches. The interesting part is that both male and female catkins are on the tree at all times, on each tree. So you may see the male catkin, which is a long drooping yellow, kind of lengthy, like it's almost partly opened. And then the female catkins are more upright and they're stiffer and usually green until the fall when they ripen and they have seed. those it's a it's kind of considered a small cone but it doesn't look like a pine cone really in any sense the bark of this tree is white and smooth generally sometimes with black lacinations in it it peels off in papery strips often the stems are the part that have the downy feel to them if you just rub your finger along some of the young stems it's there's a little resistance there those long um those those early uh, stems are usually a coppery brown color the young young stems. This tree is the first tree to cultivate new ground, so it 's considered a pioneer tree it 's a kind of tree that uh, comes in when there 's been a disturbed area and it offers protection to other slow growing trees mm-hmm. so because the leaves are small they 're bright green, they have double tooths on the edge, and they turn yellow in the fall the The small stature of the leaves allows a lot of light to penetrate through the canopy. And so, um, and I always think of birch as that shining tree, especially here in, in Northern State. This time of year, is, it is, you look out and if there's any sunshine or any moonlight at all, it's just brilliant shining. <clears throat> um, that, that issue of protection will come back. It's kind of a theme around this tree all the way around. I think it's interesting that this tree also has a growth, a length of life similar to that of a human. So it's normally a 80 to 100 years, and then it's, then it's done. And sometimes when it dies, the outside of the tree is left and the inside is rotted away. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you'll see just the, uh, what do I wanna say, the... Mm, I'm lost for a word there. Skeleton, let's say, of the tree. Wow! Yeah,
0: wow, wow.
2: So historically, how
0: was this tree used, Terry?
2: I cannot tell you if there is a culture that has not used this tree, but I think fascinating considering the time that we're doing this podcast. This tree it has taken over the first consonant of the mystical, ma- magical Celtic alphabet called the Oum, and that first consonant is named for birch. Baeth is birch in in the Celtic calendar month. And the calendar month goes from right around Christmas till January 20th, let's say. That we know is significant because it also talks, it's um, consistent with the rebirth of the light at the winter solstice. So the fact that this tree reflects the sun, it refracts the moon, Mm It has been called Lady of the Woods. It is used in so many cultures, um, generally as protection, fertility, love. All of those are themes. Um, Freya, Frigga, the Norse goddesses of love and fertility, they're also goddesses of battle and protection. It's associated with Venus, the Roman goddess of love. Ishtar from Babylonia is also um, fertility and love. There's Estra, which is Anglo-Saxon, that's also to do with fertility. Isis from Egypt, Brigid from Ireland. All of them have some association with either motherhood or young womanhood. um, And and the rights of fertility are really prominent in this tree. So the the protection part is more like a motherly defense is in some cultures more of a defense than an attacker so it protects you by <clears throat> offering that solid base of of a foundation i would say what have i forgotten during the middle ages i think it's interesting that religion gets involved in so many of these during the middle ages there were rules and rites in Scotland and other places in Europe that um, your marriage vows could be forsaken for one day at Beltane, early spring. And the, the Christian church found that to be just horrendous and tried to do away with this tree and its rites and so on. But the people are not to be denied, so they bring it back as the maypole instead. And, and then they'd have these big festivals and celebrations around the maypole. Lots of merrymaking and you can take that for what it sounds like. <laughs> but this protection was offered in many other ways. They made babies cradles out of it. They often hang boughs of birch around the house or around the ba- over the baby's head. Um, often some cultures used it as a covering over a body at a funeral. So it was protection, but also a sense of transformation. And I think you can relate to that with the gemotherapy use.
0: Right, right. Wow, so much about this one tree. So, Terry, is there anything just that you know about the tree that would hint at its medicinal uses?
2: Well, it's interesting that several European cultures, including Germany, Russia, and many Scandinavian countries, use this as a tea use the leaves as a tea and we're talking about the buds of this tree as the remedy to remove the protein and mineral um, constituents waste from blood muscles and joints without inflaming the kidneys which tells me it has a gentle action in some in some regard Um, also used to remove gouty and arthritic deposits in some places and Nearly every country that has myth with this has healing um, traditions with it also. The, the chemical, chemical constituents are um, stimulating to the bladder and the kidneys, and again, without irritating. Native American tribes used it as a blood cleanser, so that you know, that's a pretty general term for what mm-hmm. we're going to look at further with the general therapy. Interesting is that xylitol comes from this tree, It's one of the chemicals, um, and that has been used for eliminating or preventing tooth decay. Mm -hmm. So it's in several kinds of gum, chewing gum these days. And more recently, some of the um, research being done is showing that there's a chemical that is made at night in this tree that stops growth of abnormal cells. So they're investigating use in cancer.
0: Wow, amazing. So much potential in one tree. This tree
2: is amazing, yes.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it makes uh, me want to go out and plant them in my backyard right now.
2: (laughs) Unfortunately, yeah, I don't think they would thrive in Texas, though, right? There maybe is one species, but probably not this one. Yeah, I've never seen a birch here.
0: So when, when we use this tree for gemotherapy, we're going to use the buds from this tree. Yes, yes. And it, it's the buds of this tree, when made into a gemotherapeutic extract, that have a primary action on the kidney and liver. So this is a tonic. It is a more gentle tonic than many of our tonics in the gemotherapy line. But it does have a tonifying effect. The the first being on the kidney as a diuretic. So it's working to help the body as a general drainer of um, waste products that have accumulated over one's lifetime. Mm. Um, The tonifying effect on the liver optimizes the movement of bile. And this, in, in turn, eliminates cholesterol or reduces the. Level of cholesterol in the body. So, any as these actions optimize elimination, which we use common birch for when we're working on chronic cases, they effectively will resolve states of acidosis all throughout the body. So, when we think of common birch, when we're looking at the whole gemotherapy lineup, we have um, another birch that we'll be discussing, and common birch seems to be. For the more mature generation, so once um, someone passes thirty and they're fully grown and developed, so they've already gone through puberty and developed and finished growing, this is when common birch is, it seems to be most useful. We look to silver birch for that younger age group. In in, in terms of this protection, which Terry, you've talked about numerous times throughout your information you were sharing, its secondary action is on the immune system and it has a very specific action of um, activating the macrophage cells in the liver. And these are the cells that really consume and eliminate toxins. And so that's, that's what we want. We want to eliminate toxins, viral pathogens, disease cells, and so you can just imagine common verge releasing these little pac men throughout the body um, eating up those um, um, diseased cells. The, the activation of this though, also um, stimulates um, an, an action in the bones because we have this direct connection between the immune system and what's going on in our bones. So this helps strengthen them, maintain the minerals, linking calcium and phosphorus into the bones, and um, overall giving us um, a better skeletal system, a healthier skeletal system. Again, very important for these last years of life. It's interesting when you said this about you know, the tree will die, but the skeleton of it remains, that comes to mind here, right? So who, who might use common birch? So in general, this person could be male or female, over 40 years of age. What I've seen typically is they haven't had the best diet over their lifetime. And that doesn't mean a lifetime of drive up window, um, feeding themselves, but it could be a, a high intake of animal protein, which is very common in Western culture, or a high intake of processed foods. They're moderately inactive. You're not going to find your um, five-day-a-week, continual exercise throughout their lifetime person needing common birch so much. Um, Maybe more like that person that comes and goes in phases with exercise. Less than optimal stool and urine intake and weakened immunity. So that weakened immunity could be a short-term thing. So we have a very nice use for it, and a proven use using it um, post-infections, post-viral inflammation in a convalescent with adrenal support or with hazel and sweet chestnut for restoring the bronchi and the lungs. So it's very good at bringing up the level following an acute episode. We have not documented anything yet for microdosing common birch, but when we're using it to optimize elimination or further on in chronic cases, we can use it for people with high cholesterol, high uric acid, edema um, during perimenopause or menopause for women to harmonize hormones and bone protection and truthfully for all aging adults to build immunity and protect against the loss of minerals and bones. And and when we're using it, we would more than likely pair it with something that would match the whole picture of that person. So that's pretty much what I see with the chemotherapy lens. And let's just turn that lens a bit to see what Asian medicine Uh, might have to offer and how you might see this extract naked.
1: Yeah, so similarly, many words that both you and Terry used align very closely with how I see this from an Asian medical lens. Uh, Although instead of the focus on the kidney and liver, the focus is on the liver and lung in this situation. But I heard you both use words like gentle tonic and vitality, protection, support of our foundation, and these are very much in line of how I see this remedy. So if we review the two sources of qi production uh, in our body, we talk about our postnatal qi, which is the qi that we're always producing from food and fluid and breath, and how important it is that the nutrients are extracted properly from our food and fluid intake, how the spleen energy is then responsible for taking that nutritive qi up to the lungs where it meets our breath, and then how that's spread by the lungs to support all of the organs in the body. We know that the lungs' nature is to descend and move fluid downward through the body. So I see um, quite often in my practice that either the qi is not ascending properly that the spleen or the digestive energy is a bit weak and that uh, the, the energy is not ascending up to the lungs properly. If that happens, we're gonna see edema somewhere, primarily in the lower body, maybe loose or urgent or undigested stools, sometimes right after eating, or we're gonna see um, inflammation, cough, maybe skin issues If it's if it's not Descending properly. So it's not ascending properly, we're going to see uh, symptoms in the lower body. And then if the lungs' nature to descend is not happening properly, we're going to see symptoms of edema, skin, um, upper respiratory type, uh, mucosal inflammation, all of that in the upper body. So we need these two energies to work in balance. We need the postnatal chi to ascend, and then we need the lung to descend. Uh, So common birch buds plays an important role in upper respiratory health. We know that. And it's supported not only by the lung's role in respiration, but it's also supported by the kidney's role. So we've talked a little bit about this before, that the lung controls the inhalation and the exhalation in the lungs, but kidney grasps the breath. So if kidney needs support, the breath might be shallow and not descend into the abdomen. We might see shallow breathing, we might see some coughing start to come. Again, things are not descending, things are hanging out in the upper body. This is especially important when we see situations of asthma, often associated with kidney. The breath is sort of stuck up in the upper diaphragm and it can't root, the kidney can't grasp that breath and bring it all the way down. This is part of the reason why in Asian medicine we see quite a bit of focus on abdominal breathing. It supports that lower deep root kidney energy and the ability to bring fluids down, disperse chi down, bring the breath down, and root ourselves. We know that kidney supports us as we move through the different phases of life. It supports our ability to grow and thrive as kids, our ability to reproduce, and then kidney is the energy that starts to decline as we age. So uh, again, as we're moving through menopause as we're moving through later in life and we're transitioning through the different phases of life this can be an extract that supports us quite nicely through that process it supports vitality it supports transition it supports protection our foundation as we transition and kidney is also the meridian most closely aligned with our bones and teeth kidney is again terry used the word skeleton kidney is our root it controls uh, our core energy, our bones, our marrow, our teeth. Um, teeth is looked at as a, a surplus of bone in Asian medicine. So it's going to support our skeleton, it's going to support our joints, our bones, and our teeth. Wow. So, actually, I, one more interesting thing that I can add is we can start looking at how to read the body's signs of needing support. So, we're talking about what symptoms we might be looking at when the body needs support, but how do we read that in the body? And one very easy way that we can all keep track of what's going on in our system is by looking at our tongue. That's something that Asian medicine uh, puts a lot of focus on. And it's actually quite easy if you start looking at your tongue every day before you brush your teeth. If you wait till after you brush your teeth, it's going to have a film of toothpaste on it and you won't be able to see it as clearly. Um, but the very tip of the tongue Uh, has to do with our heart energy and if we move just behind the tip uh, that is our lung energy Uh, so sometimes well and we move behind that you'll see digestion and all the way in the back you'll see kidney so if you look in the mirror and you stick your tongue all the way out and you look in the back we will see how our core root lower body uh, energy is doing how our kidney is doing and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this as we discuss extracts in the future Uh, Right now, just take a look at your tongue and look at what color the tongue is, what color the coat is, and the shape, if anything, stands out to you.
0: Beautiful. Great information, Megan. Thank you. So, Terry, anything else you'd like to share with people if they have more interest on finding out about trees?
2: Well, I've mentioned before Diana Beresford kroger and this book is her most recent, To Speak for the Trees, But I also sourced another one of her books called Arboretum America, and she has a lot of information about trees in that one. And my favorite Minnesota herbalist, Matthew Wood, his Earthwise Herbal has some information on birch and other plants, of course. Beautiful.
0: Thanks, Terry. Megan, anything source for people to look
1: for? Yes, there's a great book if you'd like to learn a little bit more about the way that Japanese and Chinese medicine looks at the body, and that is called The Web That Has No Weaver by Ted Kapchuk. And you can visit my website to find out a little bit more about my practice and a little bit more about Japanese medicine and its relation to gemotherapy. And that is at aculemp.com, A-C-U-L-E-M-P.com.
0: Wonderful. And if you would like to learn more about gemotherapy, please take a look at laurenhubelay.com and you'll find classes, books, and lots of blog posts to read through at your leisure. So ladies, thanks for joining me. Thanks for sharing your wonderful wisdom on Common Birch today.